Good morning, Bridge. A bunch of people woke up at the beach today and they were stunned. But you came to church. Look around you. Look around you. Look somebody dead in the eye and go, we're the people who love Jesus. (laughs) Greetings to everyone who's at the beach. Thank you for tuning in. Oh, we're so happy you're here. And uh, this is a weekend of remembering Remembering those who um, gave it all, gave everything. You know, Jesus gave us his life so we could go to heaven. And our military men and women gave their lives, many of them, so we could know freedom. Amen? I, uh, amen. Yes, sir. I never thought I'd see a day when it would be... Um, unacceptable to be patriotic. Honestly, I never dreamed that day would ever come, but I want to tell y'all something about me. I'm a red-blooded, flag-waving American Christian. And whatever country you're from, you should be proud of your country and love your country. You don't have to love everything about your country. Isn't that right? You don't have to love everything your leaders do. Isn't that right? But I love my country. I thank God for America. What a blessing it is to be born here. And uh, i got to be honest with you. If I was in another country, I'd be doing my best to get up here as quick as I could. Amen. All right. We're in a sermon series called Dysfunctional Family. And uh, what we're going to talk about today, and I know this is not going to be relevant, but we're still going to talk about it. We're going to talk about when marriage isn't what you expected. So, okay, I know you guys are like, no, everything in marriage happened exactly the way I thought it would. So uh, this is for the people in the second service. And uh, if you will, on your way out, just tell them y'all going to need this. Just tell them as they're coming in. All right? Is it, uh, well, let's put up uh, the uh, hashtag uh, if you're going to put something on social media. Y'all aren't doing that very much, so come on, man. Put the hashtag with your comments. If they're good, if they're not good, you can leave that off. But if they're good, put that hashtag so we can all see it. Sermon notes, right there is the email address if you'd like to get the sermon notes. Is it common to debate with your mate? It is. It is common to debate with your mate. Almost all married couples sometimes get into it, don't they? Come on, y'all can say amen. Uh, here's the problem. Some of them get into it and stay in it. They don't know how to get out of it. They get into it and then they just stay in it. I mean, you'd think some people were married by the Secretary of War instead of the Justice of Peace. Amen? <laughs> they get into it and they just stay in it. We all have conflict in our marriage. We all have confrontations. That's not what's important. That's going to happen. Here's what's most important. How you handle those conflicts. How you handle those confrontations. Let's go to the book of James for our message today. James chapter 1 and verse 19. He says, understand this. My dear brothers and sisters. So he's talking to believers here, but he's talking to all of you. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That's a good word right there, isn't it? And we preachers love it 
when those guys in the Bible create three points for us. So we're going to use those today. Here's what he's saying. If you want a happy marriage, really, James is talking about any relationship. He says, first of all, tune in. Be swift to hear. Tone down. Slow to speak. And sweeten up. Slow to get angry. Let's look at these three things. First of all, be swift to hear. Everybody say, help me. Jesus. Because we'd rather talk, come on, than listen. Matter of fact, most of the time when I'm in a conversation, I want that other person to hush because what I've got to say is way yonder more important than what they're saying. And I don't even know what they're saying because I'm not listening to them. Y'all look so holy when I talk about myself like that. Y'all are like, yes, amen, pastor. How many of you know we're all kind of guilty of that? James is telling us here that to have any kind of healthy relationship, not just a marriage, but any kind of healthy relationship, we need to tune in and learn to be a good listener. He's talking about the awesome power of a listening ear. Look at Proverbs 18, 13. Spouting off before listening to the facts. Here's the result is both what? Shameful and foolish. You know about that word assume, right? Hee-haw. Learn to listen before you speak. All good communication begins not with saying something. All good communication begins with listening. Psychologists tell us that we only actually capture about 20% of what we hear. Many times what we hear is not clear anyway. Have y'all noticed that? Have y'all ever read something on Facebook and gone, what? What? Not what, I can't believe you wrote that, but what are you saying? What are you trying to say? I sent Pastor Jimmy. Don't y'all love Pastor Jimmy Bryant? I sent him a text a couple days ago, and when I got through, got through and sent it, I got a text back. He wrote, sorry, Pastor, I don't know what you're saying. I have no idea what you're saying. So I did it in three points in a poem at the end, and he got it. Um, but I, I saw this sentence not long ago. Here's, here's the sentence. I know you believe you understand what you think I said, but I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. What? So sometimes we hear stuff, but we don't even know what we just heard. Communication can be tough begin by listening and don't just listen with your ears uh, listen with your eyes there is visual communication as well as verbal communication have you ever heard somebody say something with their mouth but their body and their facial expression was something totally different than what was coming out of their mouth amen so number one what tune in listen be swift to hear number two be slow to speak. Everybody say, help me, Jesus. Some of y'all got a gift. It's not in the Bible, but it's called the gift of gab. Don't just tune in. You got to learn to, come on, tone down. If you want a better marriage, learn something about the power of the tongue. Let's go to the book of James again, and let's go to chapter 3 this time. And look at verses 5 through 10. 
in the same way, and guys, just kind of really focus on this and drink it all in, absorb it. What am I saying? Be, be uh, swift to hear today. Hear what we're saying. Get this. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing, but it makes grand speeches. It's a tiny spark that can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. I wish James would just say what he means. Verse 7, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. That's why the Holy Spirit, we have to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can control what we say, control what comes out of our mouth. Look at verse 9. Sometimes this tongue in our head, this tongue in our mouth, praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes in the parking lot of the church, it curses those <laughs> who have been made in the image of God. <laughs> verse 10. And so... Blessing and cursing comes pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, come on, everybody say the last part with me. This is not right. So first of all, James talks about who I call Mr. Torch Tongue, who just goes around setting fires everywhere. And I, I don't want to stick here because I've got a lot of information I want to give you today, but let me just talk to you about this Mr. Torch Tongue and, and just get this scripture and really to absorb it I went to the message and I want to just read this passage we just read out of the message and then I'm just going to move on. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account but it can accomplish nearly anything so it can be positive or destroy it. It only takes a spark remember to set off a forest fire a careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world. We can turn harmony to chaos. Throw mud on a reputation. Send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. That is powerful. Let that word be in us today and let that warning be in us. And then I see Mr. Tiger Tongue, not only Mr. Torch Tongue, but I see in the passage we just read Mr. Tiger Tongue. It says the tongue can't be tamed. It's like a wild animal. Our tongue has the potential of a vicious beast to be destructive like a vicious beast. We can shred people with our mouth. There's an old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That's absurd. That's ridiculous. And then he talks about Mr. Toxic Tongue. He says he is full of the tongue, un, 
control, the tongue, not under the control of the Holy Spirit, is full of deadly poison. So you need to learn that love can be destroyed by words. Love can be destroyed by words. Over a period of time, it's like sand eating away. It just erodes love. When I think about the torch tongue and the tiger tongue and the toxic tongue, it reminds me of Winston Churchill, Prime Minister of Great Britain, and Lady Astor was the first woman in Parliament, and they were at each other's throat all the time. And one day, Lady Astor was infuriated by Winston Churchill, and she said to him, I'm going to tell you something, Winston Churchill. If I was your wife, I'd put arsenic in your tea. He said back to her, Madam, I can assure you if you were my wife, I would gladly drink it. (laughs) On another occasion, Winston Churchill was drunk. And Lady Astor said to him, Churchill, you're drunk. He said, that is true. And you are ugly. (laughs) And tomorrow I will be sober. Some of y'all, we just, we just pause while y'all get that one. You still be ugly. Now let's talk about some deadly roles uh, that we often take on that we shouldn't take on. Deadly roles that we often take on when it comes to how we use our words. And here they are. Judge. So I'm warning you, don't take on these roles. Don't be a judge. The judge blames. Have you ever met somebody that no matter what happens to them, it's not their fault? And you don't matter what happens to them, they can always tell you whose fault it is. Somebody else did this. And in a marriage, quite often, the easiest target for that is the spouse. If you had done, I wouldn't have done. And that's the judge. You blame, you condemn your partner. Never say to your partner, Things like it's all your fault. You should be ashamed. As a matter of fact, when you're having a discussion with your spouse, don't ever start with the word you or you always or you never. As a matter of fact, you're you're almost always wrong when you use superlatives like always and never. It's much better to begin this way. I feel. When you said that, it made me feel. That might not be what you meant, but when you said that, it made me feel this way. I got to tell you, when Millie, and she's so good at it, when she does that, man, it disarms me. She'll say, you know, I don't think you meant that that way, but the way you said it made me feel. Man, she's so good. She acts so nice. And she and I know y'all think I'm like the one who can argue better. Because, you know, when I argue with Millie, I'm like, in my introduction, let me say this. Point one, point two, point three. And let me close with a poem and prayer. And when I get through, I'm like, I just shredded her. And she goes, I know you didn't mean it that way, but when you said that, It made me feel, and I just bust out crying. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She's so good at it, and she knows it. So it's better to begin with I feel or I think. When you said that, it made me think. Is that what you meant? It seems to me, 
Say things like, here's what I need from you. Don't be a judge. Number two, don't be a what? Professor. So what does the professor do? The professor talks down and acts superior. Many marriages are filled with put-downs. I see it. I see men put their wives down publicly. I see uh, wives put their husbands down publicly. Put-downs. And I see and hear belittling One man said to his wife, I can't understand how in the world God could have made you so beautiful and so dumb at the same time. She said, well, honey, that's simple. He made me beautiful so you'd be attracted to me. He made me dumb so I'd be attracted to you. Piece of cake. And the women said, glory. So when you attack your partner's self-worth, when you belittle your partner, then your partner is going to be defensive. See, you can't belittle somebody and then when they're defensive, go, calm down now. Karate kid, baby. Go karate kid. Go brave heart on you. Next one, don't be a what? Psychologist. Don't, man... (laughs) You want to tick your mate off, just look at them after they say something and say, now let me tell you why you said that. <laughs> let me tell you why you think that about me, because something's wrong with you. The psychologist. You know what the psychologist does? The psychologist assigns motives to the other person's heart. Don't do that. Don't play the psychologist. Next one, don't play the what? Historian. You know about the historian. I don't have to tell you much about this. Historians constantly bring up stuff they shouldn't bring up from the past. You remember Randy Travis said, what did he say? Digging up bones. My country music people out there. By the way, Randy Travis is real country. Hashtag real country. Who's with me? Come on. Can I just talk about country music for a minute? There's some stuff called country music that is not country music. I'm going to tell you young people that right now. Let me tell you something else about country music. Country music is about adultery. Rock and roll is about fornication. Let me just get straight on that right now. Y'all were feeling good until I got to that part, weren't you? Have you ever heard somebody telling a story and the person goes, "Uh, you know, Wednesday, and and the mate goes, no, baby, it wasn't Wednesday. It was Tuesday because, you know, Tuesday is when we do laundry. And then I was you ever hear people say that? You ever hear people do that? They're telling the story. Can I just ask y'all something? Who cares? (laughs) Who cares if it was Wednesday? It was Wednesday at 2 o'clock. No, baby, 2.30. Oh, man. Don't contradict. I'm telling you, listen to me, some of you guys are terrible. 
Some of you gals are terrible at contradicting. You're terrible at correcting really stuff that doesn't even affect the story or really matter. I'm going to tell you 90, and I've done a study, 97.3% of the time. When you correct your mate, the part you're correcting has nothing to do with the content of the story. Let them tell their story. i got to tell you all something, man. This week, I blew it. I blew it. We went out to dinner with a couple, and Millie was in the middle of a story. And right at the end of the story, I gave the punchline. I had no idea it was the punchline. I thought it was something she had forgotten. I ask forgiveness several times because there is nothing worse than having a great story and it's almost told and the other guy blurts out the punchline. I don't know if she's watching online. I'm sorry, baby. I know I'm still paying, but I just want you to know I'm still sorry. I'm still sorry for that. That's terrible. Don't contradict. Don't, don't break in. Don't correct. I mean, there might be a time when it's absolutely necessary because they might call the wrong name of a person and it puts that person in a bad light and you might need to go, no, no, baby, that wasn't him. That was that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It was the other guy. You know what I'm saying? So make sure that you don't play the historian. Let me tell you what people will do, these historians. They will bring up stuff when they're losing an argument. Come on. When, that, when, when, you're, when, when they got you dead to rights, you'll go, well, I, have, I can't say anything to that, so let me reach back here and get, well, you remember that time you, here we go. Then we got this whole big thing. One man said to his marriage counselor, every time I get in an argument with my wife, she gets historical. He said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She brings up every hour of the past and just resurrects all these old things. Don't play the historian. Stick to the subject at hand. And the church said, don't be a dictator is next. Don't be a dictator. Here's what dictators do. They use, most of the time what they use is verbal control in a marriage. There are those who use physical control, and i got to tell you, uh, there's nothing much lower than a man who will put his hands on his wife to control. But i got to tell you something, man. If I can just be honest, there are actually some situations where women are always hitting, punching, slapping. Ladies, you can't be doing that either. Amen? Can I preach that too? I mean, it's probably not politically correct, but boo-yow, there it is. Dictators use verbal control in the marriage. They, here's what dictators do. They make ultimatums. Uh, you better keep your words warm and sweet because you may have to end up eating them. Isn't that right? And worse than an ultimatum is a veiled threat. I actually heard a man say to his wife one time in a public situation, you do that again and you'll see what's going to happen. Just kind of leave it out there for you to use your imagination and figure that out. Just try that one more time and you'll see what's going to happen. The dictator changes the marriage relationship from I do to you better. You better. They try to force their will. So there's that verbal dictator. There's that rare but very 
very powerful and destructive physical dictator. Then there's that invalid dictator, the person who uses, can I preach on this? Who uses sulking and pouting to control the situation. They're just neurotic invalids. They withhold affection in order to control a situation. Don't assume the role of a dictator. And then, when you communicate with your spouse, don't assume the role of a critic. A critic. Uh, critics condemn. Critics criticize. Critics find fault. Critics, listen to this one, compare. One of the main things a critic does is compare. One of the most hurtful, destructive things you can do in your marriage is make a negative comparison. Negative, uh, to negatively compare your mate to somebody else. And say this to your mate. Don't ever say this. Don't ever say, why aren't you more like? Don't ever say that. You know what, if I had another couple up here with me, I'd even thought about bringing another couple up here and demonstrating this, but I want to make sure I get all this material in. That would take a little bit of time. So let's say Millie and I are standing right here, and there's another couple standing right there, and I say to Millie, why aren't you more like her? Well, she could say back to me, well, if you treated me the way he treats her, I might be more like her. And then she would say, boom, on you right there. Or perhaps if you were married to the person that you're comparing with, in other words, if I said to Millie, why aren't you more like her? If I was married to her, I might thank God I was with Millie. How many of you all know what you see might not be what you get? Never compare your partner with her mother. Or her father. I heard about a guy whose wife said to him, or the guy said to his wife, why can't you cook biscuits like my mother? She said, why can't you bring home the dough like your father? <laughs> Man, you ought to see women. They're just writing this. It's like, it's good right there. That's good. Never criticize something that your mate has no control over. If they don't have any control over it, shut up about it. And if you're going to talk about, talk to them about something they need to change, and it is something, you do that privately. And boy, you better watch your words any way you do that. You can't criticize your mate because of their parents or their family. You can't criticize your mate because of genetics. You can't criticize your mate because they have, don't have giftings that you wish they had. And then finally, when you communicate with your spouse, don't assume the role of preacher. That's when we assume the role of a holier-than-thou person, a holier-than-thou attitude, and we want to preach to our partner and we become our mate's conscience. We become, you know what we actually do is take on, take on the role of the Holy Spirit in their life. Got to be careful about that. Sometimes we use the Bible as a club. And guys, 
and gals in this. I know both situations where I've seen this don't do that. I like what Ruth Graham said about Miss Billy Graham's wife. She said, it's a wife's job to love her husband. It's God's job to make him good. So tune in. Be swift to hear. Tone down. Be slow to speak. Number three, and finally, and in closing, be slow to get angry. And that one is simply sweeten up. Tune in. Tone down. Sweeten up. Be slow to get angry. Not quick. Not quick, but be slow to be angry. Ask yourself, what can we do to resolve our hurts rather than destroy our marriage? How can I respond in a way that would be a, a, a good positive resolution rather than a dissolution of the marriage? I want to give you very quickly three do's and three don'ts. Y'all ready? Number one, here's what you do. Or here's what you, what am I going to do here first? I'm going to do the don'ts first. Is that right? Yeah. Since that's the next slide. Do not avoid loving confrontation. Do not avoid, what kind of confrontation? What kind? See, y'all like the uh, do not avoid confrontation, but do not avoid loving confrontation. You know what? You remember what Paul said about God's love for us and he brought that all into the marriage and he said, uh, love your wife the way Jesus loves the church. We're his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. And he said, yeah, you want to confront, then you confront your spouse the way Jesus confronted us with our sin. He did it lovingly. He gave his life. Love you were made enough uh, to confront her or him and say something like this. Say, you know what, baby, we've got to talk about this or it's just going to get worse. I know it's painful. I know I've hurt you or you've hurt me or we've got this, but we, gotta, we, can't, we can't not talk about it. We've got to talk about it or it's going to get worse. You remember in the scriptures it says the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. And what that means is hear the hard thing from somebody who loves you. When that, when that person who loves you says that hard thing to you, receive that because the wound, it'll hurt, it might hurt, but the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. Bring in a Christian counselor. Bring in a Christian counselor. And, and with that Christian counselor, uh, let them help you bring this thing out so it can be discussed. It's like a, when there's an unresolved conflict in a marriage, it's like a, it's like a, um, a wound or a, or a sore that would come up on your body and you look at it and it looks angry, it looks dangerous, it looks threatening, but you just don't do anything about it. You know, I know this is gross, but, but uh, sometimes it needs to be cut open and it needs to be dealt with and cleaned out so it can what? Heal, so it can heal. The next thing you don't do is you don't, you don't practice appeasement. And here's why I put that one in there, because too often I've noticed one person always dominates in a marriage. 
And you might be that person and you recognize I am the dominant one in the marriage and you've got to be really careful with that uh, because it may be causing your mate to just um, give up, to just appease you, to just make you happy because you're so uh, dominant in your communication. Healthy compromise happens when both people give something. When both people contribute, but to appease is something else. And I've seen it a lot of times. When one spouse constantly gives in to avoid an argument, uh, their heart is like, I uh, saw a thing on TV not long ago about, did you know, and, and you probably do, but you can take oily rags, and if you just keep piling them up in the corner, they can actually combust and catch on fire. They might just sit there and disintegrate and go away, but either way, that's not what you want. And, and when you are constantly appeasing and giving in, that makes your heart, you, if you're the appeaser, if you're the one always giving in, I'm telling you, something's building up inside of you, and it could break out and burn the whole marriage down. We, I've seen it happen. I told y'all, didn't I, about the marriage... Um, situation I was involved in. I was trying to help this couple and uh, they grew up like I did. They were real country and you know a lot of times um, guys have never had any instruction. They've had ne never had any biblical teaching. The only model they've ever had is their parents, their dad and, and he did it wrong and then and then he just carries that same model into the next marriage and and he's doing it wrong and this was kind of like that and and I kept meeting with this guy going, look, I'm, gonna tell, I'm telling you, man, um, she's going to leave you if you, don't, if you don't change, if you don't do some things differently. And I said, I, I'm not saying she's perfect, but, but I'm telling you, you have, got to, you have got to listen to her. You've got to hear her pain and where she's hurting. Would not do it. Would not do it. And one day the phone rang at my house. And he was country, man, he's country as corn. When that phone rang, I picked it up. I said, hello. He said, she took the ceiling fans. <laughs> I got a Yankee on the front row. She don't know what in the world I just said. <laughs> he took the what? I said, who is this? <laughs> I knew who it was because that day had come. And when he got home from work that day, there was wires hanging from the ceiling because she liked those ceiling fans. And when she left, she took them. I'm just telling you guys, uh, if, if, you, if you, and look, I, it's not just guys who dominate. Sometimes it's the, it's the uh, uh, woman who is dominant and the guy keeps giving in and, and one day you're going to come home and I don't know what he'll take. Uh, the refrigerator's empty. He took all the food. I, I don't know. Number three, don't practice aggression. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away what? Anger, wrath. Right time, right tone, right turf. When you're going to talk to your mate about a fault or something you perceive as a fault or do it at the right time, do it in the right tone, and don't do it publicly. Amen? Do it right turf. 
All right, now let's uh, do three things to do. Three things to do, and then we're done. Learn to practice accommodation. Accommodation. Uh, let me, let me, um, I, I know it's going to be hard. Do y'all remember, uh, let me see, uh, the TV show Happy Days, The Fonz. You remember The Fonz? Do y'all remember the episode where he had to say he had done something wrong? Do you remember that episode? You remember he went, I was, he couldn't say it. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of men in this room, there's a lot of ladies in this room, it's like the Fonz, you cannot say, I am wrong. And here's a harder one, I will change, I will change. To, uh, to, what's the word? To accommodate this marriage. To accommodate this relationship. So very important. Number two, learn to practice acceptance. Can I just tell you guys, there's some things you need to just accept about your mate. It's not going to change. Now, if it's something that's really, really threatening the marriage, then you've got to deal with that, and you've got to get some counseling. You've got to get some help. But there's just some things that you're letting bug you that, that you just need to accept it. You just need to go, you know what? They're not going to change. I mean, you might not be wrong. They might not be wrong. But, but it's just something that bugs you, and you can't accept it. How many of y'all remember? Well, I'm remembering a bunch of old stuff today. How many of y'all remember our 45 RPMs? A marriage is like that. Isn't that the little one with the big hole in it? I mean, marriage is like that. You buy one of those for what's on one side, and you just what? Accept what's on the other side. (laughs) Marriage is like that. You marry her, you marry him, but then there's some stuff on the other side. You just go, I don't like that, but hey. Amen. Come on. Y'all say it. Let's do it again. We've already done it two or three times. Lord Jesus, please help me. Amen. We need help. We need help. Some of us need big help on that. And then the last one, learn to make adjustments. Accommodation says I will change. Acceptance says I'm at peace, that some things will never change. Adjustment says we both make some changes. Let's both make some changes. Let's both do some things differently. Rather than having a war where we both lose, let's have a compromise where we both gain a little bit. We might not get everything we want, but I'll get a little bit of what I want. You'll get a little bit of what you want. So let's review it. Don't avoid, don't appease, and don't attack. But do accommodate and do accept and do adjust. Now let me close with this. Peter Marshall, that great Scottish preacher, early 1900s, said this about marriage. He said, Dearly beloved, the marriage relation, when rightly understood and properly appreciated, is the most delightful as well as the most sacred and solemn of all human relations. It is the clasping of hands the blending of lives and the union of hearts that two may walk together up the hill of life to meet the dawn. Together, 
bearing life's burdens, discharging its duties and sharing its joys and sorrows. Marriage is more than moonlight and roses. It is much more than the singing of love songs and the whispering of vows of undying affection. In our day, marriage is by many lightly regarded, and this was the early 1900s, boy, if he lived today. Marriage is lightly regarded and by many as lightly discarded. But listen to this, please, please, please hear this. But marriage will ever remain in the sight of God an eternal union made possible only by the gift of love which God alone can bestow. That's so true. Friends, marriage, yours and mine, is kept alive by the grace of God. Thank God for that. Let's all stand together, would you? We've got a little bit of extra time this morning, and we've got plenty of room. So would you just walk up here and let me pray over you before we go home? Get with your mate, get beside your mate if if she's here, if he's here. Kind of get with your family if you can. If not, no big deal. I just want to pray over you. If you don't want to get with them, then that's a whole other issue. But <laughs> there is hope for you. <clears throat> There's so much against our home. There's so much against our kids. I mean, man, Satan knows. And you might be here today and go, you guys believe in Satan? Oh, yeah. Three things about Satan we believe. He's a decided fact. He does exist. He's a destructive force. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But can I tell you this about the devil? He's a defeated foe because of the cross and the empty tomb. And he's trying to destroy our marriages. He's trying to destroy our homes. He's trying to destroy the relationship we have with our children because he knows if he can rip up the home, he's going to rip up the church. And we got to fight. We got to fight. Some of you men need to rise up and be the spiritual leader in your house. Be that pastor to your house, that prophet. What did the prophet do? The prophet spoke to the people about God. You, sir, need to speak to your family about God. And then there was the priest who spoke to God about the family or spoke to God about the people. And so you, as a pastor, know the spiritual condition of your home. You are well aware of the spiritual condition of your home. And then you're that prophet and you speak to them about God. You speak to them about the truth. You speak to them about the word. But then you're on your knees talking to God about your family. That's what we got to do, guys. And somebody told me not long ago, you always put it on the men. Well, I've just put it on the men because God put it on the men. 
Like a man told me in marriage counseling one time, you tell her God said I'm the leader. I said, dude, do you know what that means? Do you know what that means that you're the leader? It's a lot of responsibility, bud, because you're not only have your blood on your hands, you got the blood of your family on your hands. I know that's strong talk, but I'm just telling you. Rise up, men. Let me tell you how strong the bridge will be. The bridge will be as strong as the men in the bridge. And I'm not picking on the ladies here, but I'm going to tell you something. Men have abdicated their responsibility and left the women to have to step in and do what God called the men to do for too long. And ladies, we wouldn't even have a church without you. I've pastored churches. If it hadn't been for the women, there wouldn't have been a church. Come on, guys. Tell you something I've never seen, then I'm going to pray. I've never seen. I don't remember. Well, I won't say never. I just heard a preacher say, don't use superlatives. <laughs> but I can, I'll tell you, I can't remember any situation where when a man took the lead in the spiritual area of his home that the woman didn't gladly follow. I went to a man in the altar one time to pray for him, and I said, sir, I want to pray for you. And he looked up at me, and he said, the little lady takes care of the religion in our family. Shame on him. Father, we need you. We need you, Lord, like we never needed you. I'm seeing marriages break up that I thought would never break up. I'm hearing about separations of couples that I thought would never, ever separate. I'm hearing of conflicts between people who I know have been used to be a blessing to couples who were struggling. And now the, they're in conflict. They're... They're having difficulty, so we know the enemy is at work. Lord, let the word be in us that we heard today. I know we can't remember everything we heard. I hope the people will get these notes, and I hope they'll just pull them out once in a while and go over them, be reminded. As a husband, help me be toward Millie the way you, Lord, are toward me. Help me to love her the way you love me. Help me to be patient the way you're patient. Help me to be understanding the way you're understanding. I can't do it without your help. I can't do it walking afar off from you. The only way I can be a good husband is if I'm close to you. So where are you with God today? Come on, guys. Where are you with God do you remember a time in your life when you were closer to God? Do you remember a time in your life, ladies, when you were nearer to the Lord than you are now? Then that means you have slidden back. You've gone back. You've gone in the wrong direction. Come back. Come back to that intimacy and, and then go beyond that intimacy. Because you desperately need His help in these last days. We give you the glory the honor and the praise, for you are worthy in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. let me give you one more thing.
So it's like a triangle. So God is here. Husband is here and the wife is here. It's an amazing thing. The closer they get to God, the closer they get together. Get close to God. That's where it's at. The bottom line is where am I with God? Where are you with God? We've got some prayer folks, uh, ministers, who will hang around up here and pray for you. We've got some material back here. If you're curious about God, church, Bible, pick it up. It's free behind this cameraman. If you're a first-time guest, we have a gift for you on the way out. Hey, listen, blessings came out of your mouth while you were worshiping God. Amen. Don't let cursings come out in the parking lot. All right, amen. <laughs> I love you guys. God bless you. Have a great day.